You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Good morning. We are in a series at the moment called Emotions. Give me a whoop if you've just loved this series so far. It has been profound and incredible, and um, we are continuing the conversation on emotions this morning. And we invited um, a person to speak into this who we believe carries something uh, of significance in the area of emotions and emotional health. Can we give a Sarah Coop a really warm round of applause? We are just thrilled to have you, Sarah. For those of you that may not know Sarah, let me do a little bit of a a kind of a bio. Um, Sarah is part of our leadership year for this year. Yes, and it doesn't mean you have to do this if you join the leadership year. Uh, If you're on the leadership year, you have to do a talk. No. Um, But you have a a husband, two teenage kids, they're part of our church, incredible. And um, you previously worked as a doctor. Yep. And now you work um, kind of with training and coaching medical professionals um, in the area of lots of areas of conflict resolution mm-hmm. and, um, and all that sort of stuff. But for many years, you've really invested in the journey of emotional health. You've been trained yeah. in kind of counseling and um, yeah, Christian emotional counseling. Uh, I invited Sarah, who's on our leadership year, to do a session for our leadership year uh, on all things emotions and emotional health, and it was remarkable. Um, and so you, you have been living this stuff out and pursuing this and journeying mm. on this. And uh, I'm, I'm so excited to hear what you are going to share this Thank morning. You. Hey, why don't we just pray for Sarah um, you. <laughs> before you share. Father, we thank you for Sarah, Lord, for all that you, she carries, God, for what you've placed in her. And I pray, God, this morning her words would be yours. God, you would impart something of your heart. Um, to us this morning through Sarah. And as she pours out um, her life, Lord, would you pour into her and bless her. We thank you for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you just go on, tonight we are going to be having a a conversation with Sarah, unpacking a lot more of this stuff. Um, So join us That's the plan. That's the plan. Thanks for that introduction, Josh. Yep, so good morning everyone. Um, it's great to see you and also those of you who are watching, watching online. So as you know, this is the third message on emotions. And if you haven't heard the previous couple of weeks or you want to listen to them again, do obviously go onto the website, onto the podcast. And so many of you have said there's so much to digest, isn't there? So much to process, so much to put into practice in the area of emotions. So as Josh said, I've been asked to talk today on how to become emotionally healthy. And I think the how-to aspect is huge, isn't it? It's, it's a huge topic, and how do we do that? So I'm really just going to touch on just some thoughts, some concepts to you today, just to really think about how we might put things into practice, but really building on what's already been said so far. So as Josh said, I'm speaking on this today not because I have all the answers, not because I'm the picture of perfect emotional health. Those of you who know me know I'm certainly, I'm certainly not, um, and I don't have it all together by any means. But this is a journey that I've been on personally, probably for the last 15 years or so of my Christian life, really leaning into this area intentionally, really drawn to emotions. I'll talk a little bit about my journey this morning, but I'll unpack that a bit more this evening as well. 
So through my work as a doctor, of course, I've tried to support people emotionally in the best way that I can, but a lot of my learning has really been through leaning into my emotional struggles, my personal emotional struggles, and really often slowly, very painfully sometimes, with God's help, trying to process some of what I've experienced in the past, some of what I've continued to carry. And I've also gained a lot from the Christian counselling studies, as Josh alluded to, over the last few years that myself and also my husband Simon have been um, undertaking um, recently. So I feel really privileged, I feel really humbled to come and speak with you this morning, just to share a few things that are on my heart. And of course, we're all unique. What I've been through is going to be very different to what you've been through. We don't know what each other's carried, what each of us have, have been through in our lives. But I just pray that something this morning will touch your heart, that there'll be something that you can take away from what I share with you today, um, something that you can apply to your own situation. So today's talk is called Stones and Backpacks. I haven't brought my backpack because I'm going to talk for so long that I've brought my sandwiches. Um, I promise that's not the case, but it, this will become clear um, that the title is Stones and Backpacks. So just a verse from Ezekiel, first of all. Ezekiel 26, sorry, 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. Now, I think in Ezekiel that the heart in that passage really is referring to receiving spiritual life. But I think it's also very relevant when we think about our emotional state. How do you experience your heart when you're trying to deal with the weight of grief, fear, anger on your own? Does it feel heavy, like a stone within you? Whereas when you're relieved of that heaviness, of those feelings through prayer, through support from others, through God's power, how might you describe the way that your heart feels then? Often we talk about feeling emotionally lighter, don't we? And, and more emotionally alive. So I thought that was a useful verse to think about. How do we claim that transformation though from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh? What I'd love to do this morning is just to go through four questions really, four key points to ponder on about how to become more emotionally healthy. So I'm going to talk a little bit about our emotional vocabulary, our goal then for where we want to get to with our emotional health, then think about where we are right now, and then what's stopping us moving forwards in this area and how might we address that. And then as Josh said, this evening we're going to unpack the final point from this morning in a little bit more detail and think about how to apply that practically in our lives around the areas of anger, sorry, anxiety, conflict um, and also family relationships, so things that apply to all of us. So on your chairs today is a card, if you want to grab that. There's a few pens, there should be a pen within a seat within you if you, if you know that you're likely to be someone who likes to write things down um, or maybe some of you have got pens in your bags that you can use and um, there might not be quite enough to go around one for everybody. But I just wanted to offer that to you as a way of just jotting down maybe the four questions that I'm going to raise or just some thoughts or if you feel like do um, doodling pictures, if that's your way of, of thinking and processing, that's absolutely fine as well. So here's the first question of the four that I'm going to put to you. How many different emotions do you think you have? How many are you aware of? For many years, I probably had two. I felt good or I felt bad. Or maybe I felt up and I felt down. And for many years, that was all I knew how to describe my emotional state. Maybe you have a far wider range of emotions than I did. 
And it's been suggested that there's eight primary emotions. So we've got anger, fear, sadness, disgust, love, surprise, joy, and anticipation. And then apparently due to all the various possible combinations, there must be some sort of mathematical formula, due to all the possible combinations, that then leads us to around 34,000 different possible emotions. So a bit like primary colours, and I hope I get this right, red, yellow, blue, hopefully they're the right primary colours. You know, there's lots and lots of different colours, aren't there, obviously made from those. So 34,000 emotions. I'm not going to name each one, don't worry. But that made me think, that's a lot of possible emotions that I probably don't have words for that I probably don't even recognise when I experience them. So my first point is that a key step to becoming more emotionally healthy for us as Christians is to really understand better what our feelings are, to be able to recognise them when we experience them, to be able to name them, so that we expand our vocabulary and we also acquire a greater awareness of our internal experience in our hearts. And this is sometimes referred to as emotional intelligence, or EQ, rather than IQ for short. Lots of ways that we can increase our emotional intelligence. And there's one that I found particularly useful, is an emotion wheel. Um, you might have come across something that looks a bit like this. You can find that sort of thing on the internet or other resources. It's, it's a really helpful way. It's got the eight primary emotions in the centre, and then all the different sort of nuances of those. Obviously, not 34,000 on there, but you can see how the combinations could give you that number. So why does this help us? Well, if you think about your physical self, and obviously in my work as a doctor, this was really important. Over time, you've learned to understand physical symptoms, haven't you, and signs to indicate to you when you know you need to seek help, when perhaps you need to change certain things in order to restore your physical health. And it's the same emotionally. We can learn to recognise feelings specifically that tell us, they're like little signposts, aren't they, that tell us of something that we need to pay attention to, and also by having a greater emotional vocabulary, we can empathise better with ourselves, but also on a deeper level with others and connect better in that way as well. So how do we do this? Well, perhaps you might start by tuning into the nuances of your feelings a little bit more closely, and also gaining a clearer picture of what's in your heart at any given time. I think the Psalms are a great place to, to, to focus on and to explore a wider emotional vocabulary and range. The, pe the preacher, John Piper, said in one of his sermon series, Thinking and Feeling with God, he said this, More explicitly than all the other books in the Bible, the Psalms are designed to awaken and shape our emotions in line with the instruction that they give. So if you read the Psalms only for doctrine, you're not reading them for what they are. They're Psalms, they're songs, they're poetry, they're musical and the reason human beings express truth with music and poetry is to awaken and to express emotions that fit the truth. So of course in the Psalms, if you've read them, they're in the middle of the Bible, it's a good place to find them, we find multiple expressions of fear, anger, sorrow, regret, grief, discouragement, shame, loneliness as well as joy, love, gladness, peace, desire, hope, and much, much more. Now, John talked about journaling a week ago, I think, as a valuable way of containing and managing our feelings and our thoughts, and I really recommend journaling. There's another suggested spiritual practice, which is to read a daily psalm each day. 
And then journal your reflections on what that psalm tells you about emotions, what emotions are expressed in that psalm. And I think that can really give us reassurance that we're not alone with whatever we're feeling. And also a reminder that we can bring our emotions to God. I often find it quite difficult to be honest with God about how I was feeling. I felt that I couldn't share those thoughts and those feelings with God, and so I would try and hold them all myself, and obviously that's not particularly healthy. But God wants to hear what's on our hearts. He wants to be with us in whatever we're experiencing. So that's the first point, expanding your emotional vocabulary. My next point is really about clarifying our goal, our destination, our preferred future and vision for our emotional health. Do you know where you want to get to with how you manage your emotions? What are you aiming for? Why is it really important to have a goal in mind? Well, just think for a moment. If you called a taxi and you hopped into the taxi and the driver said, where to? And you said, I don't know, but just not here. Either you'd have a very long conversation where he gave went through a list of possible destinations, or you'd end up being taken somewhere you didn't really want to go. And often with our emotional life, we know we don't want to be feeling the feeling we're feeling, but we don't know what we're wanting instead. Whereas if we're intentional with our vision, our preferred future, we're able to move towards that with a a clear route, a clear strategy, rather than our emotions managing us and rather than acting automatically. We have a clear intention and route. So the second question I'd like to ask you is this. How will you know when you're emotionally healthy? What will getting to that place look like, feel like, sound like for you? And just think on that for a moment, because that way you're imagining and getting a vision of your goal. I think it's important to remember that when we become healthy or healthier emotionally, that certainly doesn't mean that we won't experience painful feelings this side of eternity. Just as having greater physical health doesn't protect you or guarantee you no injury or illness. It just means that often when you're more physically healthy, you bounce back more quickly. Um, But yeah, emotionally healthy means we will still experience those difficult emotions. But what will it mean instead? So here's some thoughts then about how you might want your vision and your goal to look like. We've talked quite a bit about Peter Scazzaro's book, haven't we? Um, How to be emotionally healthy or emotionally healthy spirituality. I'm going to quote a little bit from that this morning. So Peter Scazzaro defines success in this as being the person that God calls you to become and doing what God, God calls you to do in his way and according to his timetable. I often have my own timetable, I don't know about other people, but I don't always want to go with God's timetable, but I know that's his way. And he also says this, an emotionally healthy disciple is someone who slows down to be with Jesus, goes beneath the surface of their life to be transformed by Jesus, and offers their life to the world as a gift for Jesus. I'll just read that one again because I think that's really, really poignant. So all of us are on a journey, aren't we, regarding our emotional health. And I think it's really helpful to have a destination like this really clearly in mind. 
I don't know about you, but I often see our um, journey as more of a marathon rather than a sprint. Not that I'm keen on doing either of those physically. Um, But one of the pictures in scripture is of life being like a race. So Hebrews 12, 1 says, let us run with perseverance the race that's been marked out for us. And I think that's a great reminder that this personal race is one that we need to lean into intentionally. And we need to remember where we're going and we need to persevere in moving or running forwards, even when it's hard. And then the next point is that having clarified our destination, we then need to know our starting point. Where are we now on this journey or race of becoming an emotionally healthy disciple? So where we're starting from today will, of course, be different for each of us. It depends what we've experienced in our lives, how much we've processed that already, um, what we've been taught and what we've internalised. So question three is this. Where are you at right now with regard to your emotional health? So why is it important to spend a bit of time thinking about this? Well, I think it's predominantly about being honest with ourselves about where we're at currently um, and what is in our hearts. And I know that that reality can be painful to face sometimes. So to help with this, I have a quick illustration. This is the reason for the backpack. So I have a backpack here. Um, If I were to shake it or tip it upside down, what would fall out are, I've got various stones in here, so I'm not going to shake it and tip it upside down, because I'll probably drop them on my foot or damage the stage or something, but they've got lots of stones in here, okay? So if I did shake it or tipped it upside down, what would fall out would be stones. And so if I was to ask you the question, why are the stones on the floor? You'd probably say, well, because you tipped it upside down. That's why the stone's on the floor. And yes, that's true. But there's another reason. Why would there be stones on the floor? It's not a riddle, I promise. It's because the stones are in the backpack. If I had equipment or if I had clothing in the backpack, then that's what would be on the floor. And our hearts are rather like that backpack. When we're shaken by life, such as many of us have felt in the pandemic, what ends up on the floor, so to speak, really reveals what was there in the first place. Often when we're facing stressful times, when we're facing difficulties and storms that tip us upside down, what emerges through our emotions, our reactions and our behaviours really shows what was in our hearts for better and for worse. So with the psalmist, we might want to ask this, Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And I really want to stress that I'm not for one moment saying that painful or negative emotions are wrong in and of themselves. It's really what we do with our emotion that's important. So remember, we can choose unwisely and we can end up expressing our feelings in ways that are destructive and hurtful to others and ourselves. Or we can choose not to deal with the emotion and we block it, we bury it instead, but we're still carrying it around in our hearts and therefore it still shows and it still comes out under pressure. And I'll talk more about that this morning and this evening. Certainly that's been my, a lot of my learning has been through that. So to establish a little bit more clarity on your starting point, where you are now, 
I've got another question for you. So question point three has got a few little sub-questions. John asked in the first week, how are you? So I want to ask, who are you? What do you say when you're asked this? When you meet someone for the first time, whether it's here at Vineyard or at work or in a social gathering in the playground. Probably you give your name, you give a bit of background about your occupation, a bit of your family information, maybe where you live, possibly something a little bit more about the stage of life you're at. So I might say, I'm Sarah, I'm a doctor, I've been married, um, um, I'm married, not being married, I've been married for 25 years is what I was about to say, but I'm married with two teen teenagers, almost at left home age. I've lived in this area since I qualified and got married, and we've been coming to Vineyard for about two and a half years. So it's a little bit more about me, that's factual stuff, and you probably have a similar spiel in terms of information that you give to others. If I pushed you for more and said, but who are you really? What comes to mind? I wonder what you would say, and I'm not going to ask you to do this, but if the person next to you turned to you and you asked each other, who are you really? Most of us would probably give some information, additional information about ourselves, and our deeper answer to who we are really would likely reveal how we see ourselves, what you've taken on as your identity. And that might include some positive things about yourself, such as, I'm generous, I'm kind, I'm a good person parent, friend, son, daughter, those kind of things. But often that question will re reveal some negative things that you've taken on, some negative self-beliefs as well. Those might be beliefs that you've concluded about yourself, what you've been told over you by other people, what you've taken on board from past experience. So you might have things like, I'm never enough, I'm a disappointment or a failure, I'm unattractive, people won't like me when they get to know me, and so on. And how we see ourselves is really key to our emotional health. But the thing is, often we're not conscious of how we see ourselves or what we're telling ourselves. But the thoughts that we take on about our identity direct how we feel, and they direct our sense of security, and therefore our behaviour as a result. So, for example, for me, a core belief that I had growing up was that I had to be perfect in order to be loved. And that included not showing any negative emotion, because I'd concluded from my experience, what I was taught, that it was wrong to express anything apart from joy and happiness. So you can imagine that that distortion led me to constantly strive to prove that I was enough or was good enough. I put a lot of pressure on myself, I was hiding, I'd often block my emotions to pretend that I was joyful and happy even, of course, when I didn't feel like that. And a lot of the time I would try to avoid failure because of the fear of rejection. That's not a great recipe for balanced life or emotional health, as I found, because I overfunctioned. as a result, I pretended, I denied my feelings, and I distracted myself often with busyness, and I held a self-critical spirit, and I often valued other people's opinions over my own. So essentially, I'd created lots of layers of false self. If you think like an onion, I often think it's like that, layers of false self to cover over being my true self. And for years, I didn't even realise I was doing this. How about you? Perhaps you can see how one or more of the negative things that you've believed about yourself has created some unhealthy habits, some distorted ambitions or consequences as well. Here's a quote 
from a book called The Cry of the Soul by Dan Alonzo and Tempo Longman. They're a psychologist and a theologist. And I think it captures some of this really, really well. It says, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality, whereas listening to our emotions ushers in reality. And reality is where we meet God's when we meet God, sorry, emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear through emotional denial, distortion, or disengagement. In neglecting our intense emotions, we're false to ourselves and we lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. So a key aspect of transformational identity change for me has been through exploring the question, who does God say that you are? So really peeling away those layers of false self to find the truth. So what does God say, or who does God say that you are in Christ? Well, we are God's children. We are his heirs. Heirs of God co-heirs with Christ. Romans 8:17. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Romans 8, 37. Just as in Christ God has forgiven you, Ephesians 4, 32. We are a chosen people, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, 1 Peter 2, 9. In Christ the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, 1 John 3, 1. So just think about some of those words and those underlined words for a few moments and let it start to sink in. I'm sure you've all heard those verses before, but maybe you haven't. And if you go back over them and just declare them to yourself as the truth and what they really say about you and what God, how God sees you. And how can knowing and believing this truth then change your thoughts about yourself and who you are really? And also that changes your feelings and how you act as a result. So if I choose to believe that I am chosen, I am God's special possession, then I don't need to fear rejection from others or try to be perfect because I know that I'm already accepted in Christ. So it's a totally different starting point, a totally different perspective. It often takes practice, though, doesn't it, to unbelieve and to then believe something new about ourselves. It takes persistence in declaring these sorts of truths over ourselves about who God says that we really are. So it often isn't a sudden change, but I don't know about you, sometimes there's those light bulb moments, aren't there, where we suddenly realise and see something very differently, and that can transform our thinking. I think God often wants that for us. Here's another of Peter Scazzaro's quotes. Um, He said this, that emotional health and spiritual maturity are inseparable. It's not possible to be spiritually mature whilst remaining emotionally immature. And in that book, he describes four levels of emotional maturity that we can be at, from an emotional infant, through a child, through an adolescent, through an emotional adult. And um, I'm going to put the emotional... Well, um, someone in in there is going to put the emotional infant summary on the screen for us, because this is where we all start out at. And just have a look at that. I'm not going to read it out for you. But if you put the emotional summary, um, infant summary on um, the screen, the next quote, this is where we start out. We're, we're often stuck here still, though, even when we're way past being an emotional, um, a physical infant. I think I was at this emotional infant stage for about 30 years, probably. And you can see the different 
ways in which we can still be in that emotional infant state. Often we might recognize these in other people, perhaps more easily than in ourselves. So that's the emotional infant picture. Whereas, again, our destination, perhaps, where we want to get to is more of that as an emotional, healthy adult in order to be spiritually mature as well. So how does Pete Scazzaro define an emotional adult? Well, on the next slide, he says this. An emotional adult is someone who takes responsibility for their own thoughts, feelings, goals, and actions. You'd be able to say, I can state my own beliefs and values to those who disagree with me without becoming adversarial. I'm able to accurately self-assess my limits, my strengths, and my weaknesses. I'm deeply convinced that I am loved by Christ, and I don't look to others to tell me how I'm doing and that I'm okay. I'm able to integrate both doing for God and being with him. And my Christian life has moved beyond simply serving Christ to then loving him and enjoying communion with him. And that's definitely been a work in progress for me. If you want to go deeper in understanding your starting point and you want to look at those definitions in a bit more detail, on Church News this week, we're going to send out a link which will take you to the website. You can undertake a a little assessment if you want to, which will tell you the areas for growth for you on this journey from emotional infant through to emotional adult. And you'll be able to read those summaries and those definitions um, in a bit more detail because I've whizzed through those. So moving on now to the final question, just to help you mature towards your preferred emotional future from where you are now to that destination. My question is this, what's weighing you down and stopping you moving forwards with freedom? So this is where the Stones in the Backpack title comes in a little bit further and a three-step process that I mentioned at the start that Josh and I are going to unpack this evening. So a picture came to me during the Easter break. Um, I was on holiday on the Norfolk coast, walking on some sandy, some pebbled beaches, and I was starting to think about what God might want to share, um, for me to share with you. Um, and this metaphor and some of this insight really came in, um, to mind in that, in that time. So I'm just going to really introduce you to this, and as I said, we'll talk about it in more detail this evening. <clears throat> but it's really to think about where you are emotionally now. So before we move into a time of ministry... I'd just like you to imagine that you're all wearing a backpack. So this backpack represents a hold-all for your emotions. And obviously a backpack, we tend to wear it on our back. We're not consciously always looking at it. So this backpack is as old as you are. So it might be a little bit battered, a little bit rugged, or maybe it's still quite youthful if you are. You might not have taken it off for a while. You've not looked inside for a while. And the strap or the drawstring is probably tightly closed. And this backpack contains pebbles and stones. So I did gather some from the Norfolk coast. So all different shapes and sizes. And each of those represent a painful emotion that you've experienced at some point in your life, maybe recently, maybe way back. But you're still holding on to it. You're still carrying it around with you. And it's heavy, it's slowing you down, it's hindering the progress of your journey and from being your true self. And in the picture that I had, God invites each of us to spend time with him, to take off our backpack of stones representing our heart, our emotions, and to work through a three-part process of review, 
renew and redo. So this three-part process is an ongoing iterative process that I think we can turn to regularly. I certainly need to do that myself. It isn't a do it once and it's done. We need to work through our emotional baggage. And it takes time, doesn't it? It takes courage, it takes perseverance. So really briefly, the first step to review, as we take off the backpack, we look inside, we need to be honest with ourselves before God, and we need to bring our heavy emotions to him. And we, he really invites us to look at our emotions in his presence. And we want to ask him, with that emotion, what, Lord, do you want to show me about this emotion that I'm carrying around? Is there a new perspective that enlightens me? Are there any lies that I've believed about myself, about my identity, or about others in relation to that feeling? Is there a meaning that I've made that isn't serving me now or that isn't true? And then secondly, to receive renewal, to renew, to spend time with God, to be healed and to receive life for ourselves, that transforming power of the Holy Spirit, we want to ask God to deal with our emotions for our health, for our growth, and to give us what we need to be able to do this, and to be changed. We want to strip away those layers of the onion, the layers of the false self that we've taken on, and to really have a deeper knowledge of who he has created us to be uniquely, and to feel secure in that. And then thirdly, to redo, to then go forwards with a lighter load on our journey, with this new perspective that we have from God on our emotions, on ourselves, and a new perspective on others as well, so that we can seek to live for Jesus and to serve him in the world, of course. So I've given you four questions this morning to think prayerfully on over the coming days, over the coming weeks. And so here are the four keys, just as a reminder from that. Expand your emotional vocabulary. Know your destination for your emotional health journey. Know your starting point on the journey. And then identify what you're carrying around with you and spend time with God to review, to renew, and to redo. So we're going to move into ministry. I'm going to invite Josh to come up on the stage as well. I just want to ask you to stand, if you're able, so we can pray. And then we'll move into ministry. <clears throat> Thank you for, for listening. So Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for who we really are in you, Lord. Thank you for loving us as your children, for choosing us, for forgiving us, for making us a new creation. God, we praise you. We want to lift your name high and we want to give you all the glory. So come, Holy Spirit, now as we seek your presence and power to change us. We welcome you. We invite you into our hearts and our lives. Lord, you know what we're carrying. You know our past. You know our present. And you know our future. And we can trust you with it all. And Father God, you see our pain. You want us to take time to be with you, to be honest with you about our emotions and what's going on in our hearts. And you want us to receive your deep renewal and growth so that we can go forwards with new life and freedom to love and serve you in the world around us. So I just love now to create some time for ministry. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect.
and stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.